The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing. Now, this is usually an easy part of the show where I announce the time. Now I actually have to do some work. So I am in Tokyo at the Olympics. Um, it is 8.30 a.m. on Tuesday here. Uh, a typhoon hit Tokyo overnight. It sounds worse than it is. We didn't get hit with a full blast. It's not like a hurricane. Obviously, typhoons can get really bad, but um, it is Tuesday morning right now. Joining me from Seattle, where I believe it's 4.30 afternoon on Monday, is Kevin Pelton. Is that right? You've got it. I, I've been having to do the translation backwards so I can figure out when these games are on. Yes, uh, that is a real challenge. You would think it would be easy. It's 13 hours ahead of the East Coast. That sounds easy, but I'm, all, I'm forever messing it up. And joining us down the coast in uh, Oakland, where now I know it's 4.30 in Oakland, is Mark Spears from The Undefeated. Where are you staying at, like the Motel 6 or something? Or? It's, a, it's a Japanese hotel. We, you know, we didn't get to choose our hotels. Um, the American hotels were not available to us. But, the, but we just were, from the way you look right now, like <laughs> the bubble one looks like Rich Carlton compared to where you are. I would, I would describe it as a three-star hotel. Um, it has everything that I need. It is not uh, luxurious, but uh, I had to stay in this room for the first three days I was here. And I'm only allowed out now um, uh, to go either to venues, which has mostly been basketball, to our studio, our ESPN studio, which is fantastic on Tokyo Bay. Um, that's it for 14 days. Um, uh, there, is a, there is a restaurant in the hotel that I'm allowed to go to, uh, one restaurant. There's six restaurants in the hotel, but five of them I'm not allowed to go to. And they basically don't want us interacting with the Japanese public at all. Wow. Um, and, um, we respect their rules, you know, they're concerned. I mean, so it's just ESPN media there or there's no, there's, there's hotels, bunch of French media, uh, Swiss media. Um, it's a media fun. hotel. Yeah. That sounds, it's, it's well, that sounds hotel. fun. The bar yeah, should be I, lively. <laughs> there is no bar Spears. There is no bar. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the Japanese are, you know, they're, some people have said that, you know, they call everything Tokyo 2020 and it is like 2020. They're acting like uh, it's 2020 when it regards to this virus, because for, for them, it is, you know, they don't have the vaccine here uh, very prevalently. Uh, I filled out 25 pages of documentation to get into the country. Wow. Um, and nowhere on those 25 pages did it ask at all about vaccine status. They just don't care about it. And um, I had to take six COVID tests in the in the six days, uh, three days leading up to and thrift three days here. Um, uh, there's some incredible horror stories. You know, the Japanese are very well known for sticking to the letter of the law. And the rules are the rules. There is no nuance. But, there, but you know, we're not living in a world right now where there's ironclad situations. Things are changing. So, for example, um, when I arrived at the airport, I had to go through five and a half hours of processing after the 12 hour flight. Okay. And this woman who I won't, I won't say their name, this American woman media member. Um, she had this form and the form was all filled out and everything was correct. But the people who did her test forgot to check one box. There's just a box. They forgot to check. Everything else was correct. The signatures, there had to be a seal. The timing was all correct. One box was not checked. They made her sleep at, in, in, in the gate area overnight until somebody in the United States could fax a, you know, the box were checked. Wow. If she'd have known it would have been correct, she could have checked the box herself. She wasn't trying to pull a fast one. It was just, a, and there's 25 pages of documentation. You could understand that somebody might forget to check a box, especially if it's American filling out a Japanese form overnight. Another guy, and he's written a story about it, Doug Ferguson, who works for the Associated Press, who covers golf. He, um, you have to have a test within 72 hours of your flight to Japan. Um, and he didn't quite understand. He got one within 72 hours of his first flight for his connecting flight to Japan. And he was 20 or no, 39 minutes late. He, 
he when when he when he got to Japan, they realized that his COVID test was 39 minutes too expired. Um, now, once you arrive in Japan, you have to take another COVID test just to get out of the airport. So even if it's 39 minutes expired, you know, you and I would just say, OK, well, you're 39 minutes past due, but I'm going to give you a COVID test right now. And so um, you'll you know, you'll if you'll if you're positive, you're out of here. If you're negative, you can go through. No, that no. The rule says 72. That's what the Japanese do. The rule. And so they sent him back to the United States. Come on. He, he and this is what he did. He, he flew. <laughs> he flew to Japan. He was 39 minutes. His test was 39 minutes out of the range. He flew back to the United States, got a test that was in the range, then flew back to Japan. And then was able to process through. And so that's that's the situation over here. Now, you may have heard uh, if you followed the Olympics at all, that there's this very big pushback to the Olympics here and that nobody wants it, et cetera. And I'm sure, you know, I'm not I'm stuck in my hotel, you know, you know, looking at media. I'm not I'm not out in the streets asking people. But let me tell you what's happened here. The Japanese have had a very, very good first four or five days of the Olympics. I think they're third in the medal count so far. And they have a couple of spectacular stars that have emerged, including a 13-year-old who won the gold medal in the first ever skateboarding. And now everything is flipped. The Japanese are loving the Olympics. Um, Yes, there are some positive tests, but there hasn't been this enormous spike. And now everything is now positive. Now, that doesn't mean that if there's some positive tests or something else happens that they won't switch to negative, but the sentiment in Japan has vastly switched just in a few days. So um, I am functionally not in Japan. I see Japan outside my window, outside my hotel room window, outside our studio window, uh, outside our, uh, you know, car window. I am able to go to the games and, you know, talk to the players after the United lost to France the other night, I was able to talk directly to, Damian Lillard face to face with, you know, with a barrier, with a, uh, you know, distance. Um, so, I mean, I, the access of the end of the exists and that's why I'm here. Um, but otherwise it is, I am functionally not even in the country to be honest with you. And okay. I knew that coming in. That's, that's the, it's not exactly the Olympics experience you'd ever dream of. Um, it's very unusual because there's no joy that you see because there's no fans, but yet they were preparing for fans. So as you drive through the city, you see all these venues with these, you know, you pass this beach volleyball venue, you pass the three on three venue, and there's all these stands, you know, at the, at the arena uh, where they play the basketball, they close off blocks and blocks to, to prepare for traffic. And I have to go through this winding road of security checks as if they're expecting to admit thousands of people but there's 500 people in the whole building, maybe less. Um, and this isn't like, oh yeah, but we're going to like, you know, in the bubble last year, they did have some friends and family. There's no friends and family. It's the players and that's it. The players and a couple of officials in the media and that's it. And um, so it's, you know, it is what it is. So but anyway, we talked about the NBA, uh, which right now I think uh you know, we'll, we'll spend a little a, a brief minute here on Team USA. Um, uh, Pelton, I know you wrote about um, what you saw in that France game. Uh, I would say you are very pessimistic about what's going to happen with Team USA. Is that is that a fair fair way to say it? Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment. I mean, one of the the thoughts I had coming in was, you know, everybody wants to dismiss the exhibition losses. These don't count. They're just preparation, et cetera, et cetera. And there were certainly mitigating factors this year with not having three players because they were busy playing in the NBA finals. And, and we'll see, you know, to what extent Devin Booker and Chris Middleton can help them more as this goes on. I mean, the fact that Drew Holiday played as well as he did on Sunday, given he was, you know, one day off the plane is, is remarkable, but uh Usually when the U.S. loses exhibitions, they lose games during their group stage and then they lose during the tournament. And that's that's kind of what happens. I mean, it's a one and done, so you never know. But that's the history of this. Spears, um, you know a lot of these guys personally. You have a good feel for this team. 
what are you seeing when you watch him play? They're letting Pop get in their head too much. Thank you. And they just uh, need to play. And if they just play, they're capable of beating everybody, I think, by even a significant amount. Um, but they're worried too much about how many passes they should make. Um, worry too much about their shot selection. Um, you know, I, I, I heard that Bill, um, yeah, I guess I shouldn't have said his name, <laughs> but he's not there, but that there, there was some surprise and all when he got yelled at about shots he took in the first game or something like that. So I think it's to the point now from what I hear, and you're there. I'm not there. This is just hearsay all the way to America that they're just, they realize they just got to go play and stop worrying about, you know, the X's and O part that, that pop wants. Cause you know, when they had a uh, coach K coach K just basically was a consultant. He just sat there, like watched him play and gave his insight here and there where a Popovich coach team is certainly much more structured. And, uh, you know, these guys don't play that way. So it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to him and if he adapts at all. Couldn't have said it better myself. Am I right? Yes. There was a, a moment, you know, there's a lot of things that happened in that France game. And look, they had a shot here or there. They might have survived it, but it doesn't change the overall thing. But there was a moment in the game that I think really crystallized the challenge that they're in. And you may remember, you may not. And my viewpoint of seeing it live is at different angles than you guys were watching. So maybe I experienced it a little differently than you guys saw it. Late in the game, I don't know, it was in the last two minutes. They're moving the ball around the perimeter and the ball comes to Dame Lillard on the wing. He is maybe not wide open, but open enough to take a shot. And Dame continues to throw it around the perimeter and he throws it to Zach Levine. And um, the French rotated quicker and they stole the ball and, and it was a turnover. And I'm like, I'm not so sure there's almost anybody in the world that I don't want to take a shot in the fourth quarter of a close game than Dame Lillard. Um, I mean, Durant's on the team. So maybe if it was Durant, I'd say take it. But if Dame Lillard is holding the ball with a chance to shoot it, Mr. Lillard, please shoot it. As an American, let me say, I want you to take that shot, sir. <laughs> I want you to take that shot. And that just showed me that Dame's thinking. And, um, you know, uh, the thing that Pop keeps saying over and over, and he belittles the people who ask him questions. And, um, you know, Pop's relationship with the media is not really important. Um, but uh, I think he's out of line. But, of course, I'm going to be biased. So whatever. Um, you know, we're allowed to ask questions about play. It's when we ask questions, it's not, uh, you know, you belittling the question isn't going to get rid of the question. You may think that it does, but it, it doesn't. Um, but that's a side point. Um, uh, he keeps talking about how you have to have respect for the opponent and how you, how the opponents have all this, all this time together and he, his team does. It. And that's true. We, we, I mean, he's lecturing us. Like we disagree. I know that the French players and that the the um, Spanish players and that the Argentinians have played more together. I'm not sitting here saying they haven't. And that's why they play that style of basketball where it's very team oriented. And in a perfect world, this team would have played with each other for three or four summers in a row and they would have that that orientation. But they don't. So why are you forcing them to play like the Argentinians? Or the Spurs? which is the way Pop wants to play. is like the Argentinians. But here's when the perplexing that's not, thing. The Spurs don't play that way anymore. They not anymore. They have the fewest passes in the league this season. Like, right. it's it's kind of bizarre to me. Like, you want LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan isolated, but you can't do that with Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant? Well, like, I just think, you know, he, they're struggling to score. They, you know, they got outscored 16 to 2. They're struggling to score, right? And and they're, you know, they're not playing. They, you know, they're not able to move the ball. And I'm like, you have... Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant on the court. Okay. Not only that, the French decided to play in the second half, two bigs, two seven footers were on the court the entire half. 
the entire second half, which gave problems to the Americans. I do not have all the rings that Popovich has. I am not an X's and O's guy. But Jesus Christ, would you run a pick and roll with Dame Lillard and Kevin Durant? I mean, Kevin Lillard, I'm going to say it again. Kevin Lillard, Kevin Durant, and Dame Lillard. How are you going to defend it? I I know that it's not going to get the five Norman Dale passes. Just run. By the way, those guys know how to run a pick and roll. Did they see a pick and roll the whole game? They were running pick and rolls early in the game. Yeah. But I don't know if there was ever a Lillard-Durant pick and roll. But they were running pick and rolls early in the game. Um, but down the stretch of the game, you could you could see how tight they were. And, you know, uh, Pop was talking about issues um, defensive consistency. And that's true. I mean, they could be more consistent defensively. The thing about it is, is that, um, you know, they're switching on everything. Okay? Because in the NBA – the teams that you play, they're all so multi-talented that you kind of have to switch on everything. You give up shots. Well, when you're playing, you know, the, the French started uh, Rudy Gobert and Gerson Yabasele, who you may remember played for the um, Celtics for a couple of years. He is not a stretch the floor big man. Okay. But the U.S. was switching. And so you, what you have is they were switching and they get Durant onto Gobert and Durant commits two fouls in the first quarter defending Gobert because he switched onto him. And I, obviously we all know why you switch. There's, there's sound reasoning, but I don't think you got to switch on Rudy Gobert, you know, let Rudy Gobert, you know, if he wants to roll the rim or whatever, then deal with that. But you don't got to switch. He's not popping out to take a three. So drop, drop him back. And um, that's what was so, you know, and, and Durant, by the way, started off, he had seven points in the first like four minutes. He was on his way to a 30 point night. Yeah. And foul trouble. Gets, yeah. Now, listen, I'll say, I'll say that when he got in foul trouble and pop had to go to his bench, he brought in Jason Tatum. He didn't bring in, <laughs> you know, he didn't bring in some, you know, some nobody. Okay. Yeah. So I want to be clear. He didn't bring just, in, Brett, was it Brown? What's the guy's name? <laughs> I mean, uh, or or, or he, the guy that was actually on the French team, TLC. <laughs> right, right. Um, just, just another pretty all-star. You know, another so, thing is that that zone, man. One, they're not used to seeing zone, so maybe that's messing with them a little bit. Two, and this ain't Pop's fault. They missed 20, what, 23-pointer? Yeah, I know. They were the one possession where they took five shots and missed yeah. them all. And, all. and all of them were pretty good. And so you could just say to me, well, listen, they're tired. They're barely together. And if they hit one of those five threes, they're in the lead. And maybe they win. And like, yeah, you're right. But it doesn't change, you know, the functional problems that they're having. And I'm just going to say, they've lost five of their last eight games, dating back to 2019 at the World Cup. Lost five of their last eight games. And um, the personnel has been different, but you know, this, people this are asking. Team is certainly a lot better than the, the World Cup team, though. This team is low. On paper. Yeah. No, I just like, I, I don't even want to make no excuses for them. They shouldn't okay. be losing to these. I don't care if they got a week together. To me, that ain't no damn excuse. Mark, they're up, they're up seven points with four minutes to go. Finish the game. You, thank you. Thank you. They're so, too goddamn good to not finish that game off. That's correct. And so we can go over X's and O's, and there's some of that going on. But um, can you guys hear that window whistling? Yeah. Do you hear yeah. that? So there's a ty- there's still a typhoon hitting Tokyo right now. <laughs> and there's like, I don't know, 50 mile an hour winds. And there's, <laughs> so anyway, I don't know, guys. Um, Another thing, and tell me where I'm, if I'm wrong here. They got to they gotta take the ball to the hole. And challenge these dudes like it, it and, and Pelton. That's why I love to hear from you on this. It, it just drives me nuts watching all these three pointers, right? And if you take the ball to the hole, these refs look like they like to blow their whistle. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You go get to the line, man. <laughs> like, take the ball to the hole, get fouled, and go to the line. Like, how I mean, many free throws did they not shoot? You know, like. 
I think they made the game easy for the refs. They didn't force them to to call stuff. Uh, you, you gonna tell me all these guys could guard Dame one on one? They could guard all these folks one on one. They're just settling for jumpers too, which it they, uh, it's like oh, uh, well the three point line's closer, so it's gonna be easy for us. You're not making the shot. Take the ball to the hole. The funny thing uh, about uh, FIBA refs, and I've covered quite a bit of FIBA now. The funny thing about FIBA refs is that it seems like they will let you body check somebody and not call it. Like you come down the lane, Gobert steps up and flattens somebody and there's no whistle. But then you'll see a guy like try to finesse his way through and he'll get like brushed on the side. It's boop, two shots. Or, and then you're like, it's like, wait a minute. Cause I see people say like, Oh, that's, you know, European basketball is soft. I mean, look at the way. And I go, it's actually not soft. They beat the hell out of each other. No, it's definitely but, more physical. <laughs> yeah. But they don't, they seem to let physical play go away, but they call tic-tac fouls a lot. And it's yeah. very frustrating. Uh, in 2019 in China, I thought Giannis was going to have a meltdown. Uh, Giannis was playing in the World Cup for Greece. And, you know, not only you mentioned zone spears, but the other thing about zone is they don't, there's no three seconds, defensive three seconds. So the, the, the center can just literally stand there. He doesn't have to move. And so you know how Giannis comes. He comes in the lane and does his incredible stuff. Yeah. Well, the, the center would just stay there and fall down over and over and over again. And they would call. I remember one game he fouled out on a charge call that if this had happened in the NBA playoffs, there may have been a riot. That's how bad this call was. And yeah. he fouled out on it. And <laughs> I remember Giannis didn't even talk to the media after that game because I think he was afraid he might say something. And um, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis never plays for Greece again, how miserable that experience was for him. So some the, of that is, is, yes, you know, Duncan basically said, I'm done with this nonsense. Um, but I will Art, say this. Let me ask you this. Yeah. An NBA ref told me this yesterday, and maybe he was being facetious. But he said that the refs are volunteers. Hmm. I don't know the answer to that. Because I like tweeted just out their... yesterday. I said, when the NBA players get back, they're going to hug the NBA refs when they see I it. saw that, yeah. <laughs> Which would be a violation of COVID protocol here. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, after the games, the team's – shake hands. There's a tradition. And I'm like, ah, yeah. strange code. Um, I don't know. I mean, you mean to say that maybe they just get their expenses paid. I don't know. I can ask about that. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play. And boom on Yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. You know, normally, normally at the Olympics, it's like, you know, okay, we'll ref a game and then we'll have a day off and we'll go see the sites. So, you know. Mm. Nobody is here at this games to do anything but what work. Yeah. There's nothing but work going on here. Yeah. Um, so I will say this. So if they win their next two games, they play Iran on Wednesday, my Wednesday night, your Wednesday morning, and they play the Czech Republic on Saturday. Um, they win those two games, they advance. And, you know, if they get their act together, they can still win everything. Um, can I ask you a technical question? Yeah. So let's say, they go two and one, right? Yeah. Who are they more likely to play first, assuming Australia wins out and France wins out? Like, 
do you even have you even looked that far to figure I out? Have. Who, okay, I have. So it's not guaranteed because there's a redraw. Uh, for the it's not like you can say, oh, second place in Group A plays first place, whatever. But guys, watch out for the Slovenians and Luka Doncic because the way they play and the way he plays, oh, my God. He had 48 in the opener against Argentina. Now, Argentina is not 2004. That's not Ginobili's Argentina, though. No. Uh, they, got their, still, they got toasted in Vegas by everybody. So that's did. why I got to I gotta see. I'm, I'm a whole – because here's the thing, Brian. Luca first is sensational, right? But if you double him, who's going to save him? That's what you'd think, right? The other thing is two. So just to go back to France real quick, it's going to set me up to Luca. Popovich said that he'd been thinking about the France loss for two years, and that ever since he knew he was going to play France in. When they do the, the draw for this pool play back in February, he's thought about it every day. Well, Evan Fournier smoked the Americans in China. And so he had to be thinking about how he's going to defend Evan Fournier. So he starts the game and he, play, he played Zach Levine for two minutes. He really, I, I popped on like Zach Levine, I don't think. Uh, but he's been starting him because Beal left. Two minutes into the first quarter, here comes Drew Holiday you know, 15 hours off the airplane. And he had Holiday on Fournier. Fournier still smoked him again for 28. So, yeah, you're going to have a game plan for Luca. I see yeah, Drew Holiday's but, but, future. But my point is this. France has others. They got other players on that team. Yeah. Like, uh, Dragic, dare you... Dragic isn't playing, right? Well, Dragic is Dragic, playing. Yeah. Uh, the brother Zoran, Zoran Dragic, that's what I'm Zoran. saying. Like, the real Dragic is not playing. That's okay. why I'm called of Luca in the miracles. Like, will the <laughs> miracles be able to stand up and, and get him a medal? I, I don't know. Not, I saw some other dude who was hitting a lot of threes yesterday. I will say that I know who he was, but again, like, their, their best player is like my age. <laughs> Argentina, so I, I gotta see who they play next, man. Before I I jump on that Slovenian bandwagon, they they are in a uh, they are in a difficult group. They play Spain. I don't know if it's yeah. Let me, game, let me wait. Let me wait to like they okay. play Spain until I go crazy about Slovenia. Okay, that is a very level-headed, experienced take. I'm just gonna say the Americans knew about Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier toasted them, and yeah. sir. Luka Doncic is no Evan Fournier, so... No, no, no. 100%. I get that. But he's playing with the Miracles. <laughs> okay. It is Slovenia's first ever time in the Olympics. Uh, That's impressive. That's cool. Yeah. And it was it was fun to watch. The other thing about Luka is... sport? Did they send anybody no. out? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> no, uh, making it in basketball. And it'd be a small delegation at the uh, opening ceremonies. Just look at there were some small delegations. (laughs) There was a whole bunch of flag bearers, by the way, basketball players. Tomas Sadaransky was a flag bearer for the Czech Republic. Rui Hachimura was a flag bearer. By the way, the um, the Chinese had their smallest Olympian and their tallest Olympian be their flag bearers. Rui Hachimura and this, uh, I think she was a gymnastics athlete, and um, they were. Standing side by side, it was crazy to see. Um, hey, can, obviously, can I, Sue Bird. Can, yeah. can, can I put some shade real quick? Yeah. How does Canada not get here over Czech Republic? Let me tell you something. So the Americans are going to have to beat the Czechs on Saturday to advance. Now, there is a scenario where if they blow the, the Iranians out by like a bunch of points, on point differential if they lost – they could still advance. So I don't want to say it's all down to that game, but dude, if they, if we lose to the goddamn Czech Republic, then they need okay. to come home. Let me say two things. And, and I don't One, know if you got to bleep some of that out. What I just said, <laughs> they should just come no. home You to the Czech Republic. Come home. Okay. 
That's not going to happen. The Czechs have two guys you've heard of, Tomas Sedaransky and Jan Vesely. Exactly. Ooh, okay. But they do have a couple other good year players who are good in Europe. And I'm going to point out, they played in China two years ago, and it was a game until the fourth quarter. But, it was, I was, but let me just say this. Right. Spears, they have lost five of their last eight games. Yeah. I've been to all eight of those games. Yeah. I am not giving them anything right now. That's number one. Number no, I'm two, being a hopeless romantic for them right now. I'm, I'm trying okay. to believe the pay, what's on paper, and that's do I think that, to my detriment. Do I think Kevin Durant's going to decide to show up? Because Durant's kind of been going half speed, to be honest with you, so yeah. far. I kind of feel like Kevin Durant's going to be like, all right, I'm the best player here. I'm better than even Luca. Give me the ball, and I'm going to go be Kevin Durant. Okay. Do I think that's going to happen? And then he is going to have a glorious next 10 days. I do think that's possible. But let me just say Nothing had the Canadians t- taken care of business, that would have been a, that, would, that was Canada's spot. The Czechs won in Canada. So that could have been Saturday, the Canadians versus the Americans for who was going to advance. And can you imagine what kind of game that would have been? The Canadians having a chance to take out the Americans. Oh, that would have been interesting. But instead, Uh, they'll be at home eating (laughs) fries with gravy on it, watching the game. (laughs) Poutine. (laughs) Okay. So we got a draft. In a couple of days. Um, <laughs> I'm having a good time, Brian. I know. I love it, Spears. I, I think they should, you know, Fran Frischilla is great a commentary on these games. I think you should, I think we should let you go be the, the third man in the booth. Uh, I love these to. games. They don't, they don't know me, man. They don't know me. Fran, Fran knows you. He All right. Fran's a good guy. So, by the way, Fran, I was, I was watching the uh, Slovenia game. You know, they were filling time. I was watching to see if uh, Luca was going to score 55 and break Oscar Schmidt's Olympic record. Fran took a took a shy or two at the old uh, old coach pop. Oh, he did? Still in time at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't necessarily like what he saw. Um, all right. So, uh, Woj reported my today, your guys, I guess both of our todays, but it's you guys are in my yesterday. So, um I don't know which I should say. What was reported that the Pistons are not 100% settled on Cade Cunningham at number one? That set off a whole, you know, Woj doesn't mess around. When Woj says something, it is what it is. But that set off a whole bunch of BS detectors for me. Am I to believe that, Pelton? Or is that just, is there something, are they trying to, are the Pistons trying to make a play? I mean, if there's a scenario where they can get down to two and, and get the guy they still want and get a little something out of the Houston Rockets, I think that's maybe something you definitely have to explore. And I guess the only other leverage you'd have there, unless it's, well, we might t- take the guy you want if Houston has decided on Jalen Green, then it's either that or, or someone else might trade up to number one instead. So those, those are your options if that's what you're thinking. So are you, are you saying they're trying to, they're looking at Tillman Fertitta and Raphael Stone and going, no. Oh. Let's see how you guys uh, handle this position. Let's uh, let's rattle the cage a little bit. What do you, we, Spears? I know you've you've gotten to see Jalen Green a hell of a lot more than I have. Um, could you take Jalen Green ahead of uh, Cade Cunningham? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching this kid since he was seventeen. He has Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady athleticism. He has show-stopping athleticism. He's, he's, he has big bigger show-stopping ability than anybody in this draft. I'm talking about Jalen. Jumper's good enough. Work in progress will get better. I think where we l- lose sight or where people get so enamored with college basketball, and I think if you were to ask Jalen – from a popularity standpoint, would it have been different if he went to college? He probably would say, yeah, that people would have seen me more on TV and I would have been more popular. And Jalen was an 18-year-old playing against grown men. And from the beginning of the G League bubble to the end, 
he improved. So for him to have 30, like in his last game, which I believe was like a G League playoff game, like he constantly got better every week against NBA caliber players, not college players, NBA caliber players. And also in the midst of this year, he got to learn more about the NBA style play, NBA life. Basically, when he gets to a team, there's the, you know there's nothing that you need to get him adjusted to. He's basically lived that life. I mean that that ultimately isn't is neither here nor there. But I heard he had a sensational. He's had sensational workouts, mm-hmm. and I think from what I know about Troy Weaver. He's not scared to draft who he thinks is best, not who he thinks is popular. Um, I think when he drafted Russell Russell Westbrook, was he there? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think Russ – maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Russ was the popular choice. Oh, we, we wanted Jared Bayless. Yeah, exactly. Oh. See what I'm saying? That's not to say that Kate Cunningham isn't amazing – or I, I think there's five or six really, really good players. That's not to say that Cade won't be special. But when I look at upside, like, I'm telling you, Brian, this kid, Jalen, is, is – I hate I, – I don't like throwing Kobe's name out there. I don't. But he has that kind of explosiveness. And that kind of spectacular to his game in the same way where when you watch Ja Morant do some of the things that he does, it's he will be if, if they picked Jalen, he would be the most athletic player they had since a healthy Grant Hill. And I, I don't know that the Pistons, they got a older Blake Griffin. So he, he wasn't the Clippers Blake Griffin really, but. Pistons aren't known for having spectacular players. I, I think he's going to be a, not only a spectacular player, score, he could he could play both positions. He's a really, really – I know I'm going long on him, but he's a really no, smart I, 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 kid. I'm, I'm very interested in all this. He's really, really smart kid. So let me give you another little insight on him. He played for the Oakland Soldiers, and they asked me to go speak to the team. So I did some research. I saw he was on the team and they wanted me to talk about social media. So I go and I meet him and I said, Jalen, I'm going to use you as an example. So do you think you could take this? He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to critique your social media in front of all your teammates and say what I would keep, what I would get rid of, what is a concern. If you don't think you could take me saying this in front of your teammates, let me know, and I'll pick somebody else or not do it at all. But I think you're the star. You're the guy that's going to get critiqued the most. I just want to use you as as an example. So go for it. So I went across his social media, like, oh, this picture with you and your, your sister is great. That's cute. Keep that, unless you don't want nobody to know who's in your family. Then I mentioned stuff about rap music that he was playing that was saying uh, some expletives in it and different pictures that he posted that were great. Some that were a little questionable. So I was told that he goes home and tells his mother and his stepfather, you know, I'm trying to be a role model. I I want people to, kids to watch me and to be look up to me like, I, I take that serious. So I need to scrub my social media and make sure that it just has positive, good things in it. Like, I still want to be f- cool. I still want to be a cool, cool kid. But I, at that, at 17 years old, I think he might've been 17 then, maybe he was 16. He realized that there was an image that he had to, he should portray as somebody that was a future NBA star and so he didn't take it personally 
The next time I saw him, he thanked me for making him the example and told me what he learned from it and how excited he was. And that just showed me like, oh, off the court, this kid's together, man, too. It's not to say Kate Cunningham's not, I don't know Kate Cunningham. But he seems like he's from a great family too. But I'm just telling you my Jalen story, on and off the court, this kid is special. He has that it factor. There's just something about him it has a little twinge of Kobe to it that I like, you know? And it's okay to have three, you know, several great players in this draft too. I don't know that there's a wrong decision in either one of those guys. But from what I've seen from Jalen, I think he has an opportunity to be a spectacular player in this league. A box office player. You know, and – you know, that's the thing. Uh, Troy Weaver's, I mean, Troy Weaver's career, I mean, you know, he, he had a great relationship with a lot of players in Oklahoma City. But his career, and the reason he's got that job is because of the guys he helped them draft. And, you know, you look at this last draft that he made his first draft with the Pistons. Uh, now, uh, Killian Hayes, he was hurt. He, It wasn't great, but Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart, excellent picks, you know. Um, and they traded, they traded up to get Bay. They, they went in and got the, you know, he traded Luke Kennard and like four second round picks to get Sadiq Bay. So he's got a um, he's got a track record. So Pelton, where do you have? I mean, you know, what would you think to the Pistons actually not going with Cunningham, whether it's to trade or just say, I want this other player? Yeah, so I've got my projections out on Tuesday for the draft at long last. And, uh, you know, Cunningham is at the top of this group, but all it's actually, I would say, all four guys, if you include Evan Mobley and Jalen Suggs, who personally, I just love Jalen Suggs' game. He so might be I. my favorite of these prospects. I love his game too. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. play for, in talking to scouts, he, he, you know, he does, he's got to work on this pick and roll game and stuff, but he may have a little bit of a curve. But I, how can you not be impressed with that guy? there's something about his game that reminds me a little of Brandon Roy, who's my all-time favorite player to watch. I'm, I'm, I'm very biased on that one, but uh, you know, the reason Cunningham is at the top of that group is because he's number one in our top 100 ranking, which is an important component of those consensus projections. If you were, if you were to consider him, you know, and you were scouting the number two guy and, and Jalen green, the number one guy, or, or even Mobley or Suggs, that would lift them to the top of that group. That's how close those four guys all are. Yeah, so um, you know the, the the Rockets pretty publicly it seems like have been locked on Green for a while, but it's because we assume that the Pistons were locked on Cunningham. So we'll see. I know that there are people who have said that Mobley from USC would be the number one pick in other years, yeah. and I was talking to a scout who has been doing this for a long time, and he told me low end for Mobley is Lamarcus Aldridge, high end is Chris Bosh. And um, then the current NBA that he's like the ideal big man. So, um, you know, there's people who could make a case that he should be up there. Um, So the other thing is this trade that was made with uh, Memphis and um, Memphis and and New Orleans, where uh, there was, you know, basically New Orleans moves off of the contract of Eric Bledsoe and swaps Valanciunas for Adams. Valanciunas has a, a more attractive contract, shorter and lesser, and he's a, more of a stretch-the-floor player to move, make some room for Zion. Um, to do those, they paid with – they moved uh, – what they move up? Ten, down, how many spots? Yeah, 10 to 17. 10 to 17. So they moved down ten, seven spots and uh, gave a future first that the, from the Lakers – and the number 40 pick. Now, let me just say something about Memphis. Memphis drafts really well. Now, nobody bats a 1,000, right? Nobody bats a 1,000. But Memphis has been great drafting. And so to do this deal, there must be somebody they like that they can't get at 17, that they can get at 10. And in talking to some people in the league, there's some guys – around that 10th pick who people are excited about. 
Um, and I know from being in Vegas for the exhibition games, there were huge contingents of scouts to watch Josh Giddy, who's playing for the, who was playing for the Australian team. He's not at the Olympics, uh, who would fall into about that range at 10. Um, Pelton, uh, your, your grades for that are out. Would you mind giving us how you viewed that and what you think Memphis is up to? Yeah, I give Memphis a B and New Orleans a B plus. I mean, I think the first instinct was, you know, it's a bad idea for, you know, the Pelicans to be try- spending so much in terms of draft capital to try to create cap space, especially because if they're doing that, it means they have to move on from Lonzo Ball and his cap hold. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I don't think the price was that high to go down seven spots. And then that pick from the Lakers, it's probably in the 20s next year. I think they're probably back healthy and in, in one of the league's better teams, even if things somehow fall apart. They t- the Pelicans added protection to it in the top 10 that was not previously on that pick. They got an unprotected pick from the Lakers. And the rule is if you get it unprotected, you can add protection when you trade it in the future. So, you know, I think it's interesting what they're doing. It's it's definitely like a win now move, especially if that I, the idea is to create that cap space to sign Kyle Lowry. From Memphis's standpoint, they had this 20 plus million in cap space, assuming they declined the uh, team option on Justice Winslow. Which I think is pretty clear is going to happen. Yeah, they, I mean, it has to now for this deal to make sense unless they got off salary somehow, uh, some other way. But they go too deep at pretty much every position. There, there weren't a lot of guys you were going to sign out there in free agency who would be major upgrades for them unless you were talking about one of those veterans bring back by Conley. No, they've got a job there. They're covered at that spot. But I think Conley is uh, – I'll stop short. I don't want to get – I know. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. I like his chances of, of, of returning to the Jazz. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So I think there's probably got to be a few guys they have in mind at that point, because you can't be certain that one of them in particular is going to get to 10. Giddy has obviously been mentioned. Franz Wagner, I think Jonathan Gavoni has mentioned, and then Moses Moody might be someone else who's from that area. I think, you know, the the Memphis being close to uh, Arkansas in the border there. So uh, I I think any of those guys could be in play for them at 10. So Spears, um, and this is easy to say now because the Bucks have won the championship, but when the Bucks did the deal for Drew Holiday and it was three firsts and two pick swaps, you were like, oh my God, <laughs> what, you know? So, but I remember I was talking to somebody in the Bucks organization months ago. I don't know. Please don't hold me to six. I don't even know. It was a while ago before the playoffs. And uh, they said, um, you know, it really wasn't three first round picks. And I go, well, yes, it was. In fact, there were three first round picks. He's like, yeah, but we were probably going to have to give a first round pick to move Eric Bledsoe's contract anyway. And so that one was kind of already gone, no matter what pick it was. And, you know, New Orleans may find out that they might have to do the same thing. Well, lo and behold, here we are. And New Orleans had to give a first round pick to move off of Bledsoe. And there are zero, you know, you know, one of my sayings, winning the title means never having to say you're sorry. The Drew Holiday trade is sealed. Close yeah. the books, A plus. Um, uh, but uh, you know, if you're if you're New Orleans, they now have a bunch of cap space. Pelton mentioned Lowry. I know they're also interested in Spencer Dinwiddie. They have Lonzo Ball hanging out there. A lot of people in the league don't think he's going to be back, but I think it's dangerous to make assumptions. Yeah. Um, looking at this team. They got to convince, and Willie Green will be introduced as the uh, as the head coach. You know, my today, your tomorrow. Um, is this team? Can they land? Can they this cap space they've opened? They opened twenty million with this. Can they get somebody to come there? Especially after what happened with JJ Redick, who burned the franchise yeah. down after <laughs> after he came there. Uh, yeah. um, you know. Well, one, I like, and I always butcher his name. Valanciunas. Valanciunas, but that's okay. Jonas. See, Valanciunas. I always butcher. At least I was honest about it, right? He's also a great guy. Most Lithuanians that I've met, most Lithuanians I've met are great guys, by the way. Really, really nice guy. And I think he rejuvenated his career in Memphis, man. Like he, he played what we projected him to play in the beginning. So I'm curious to see how he and Zion... And, and B.I. coexist on the floor together. Um, 
I like him a lot. I I, I think that was a pickup nobody's really talking about in terms of New Orleans. Um, I could say New Orleans better than I could say Valanciunas. <laughs> you know New Orleans, sir. You know New Orleans. <laughs> but I, I I do think, you know, a guy I'm intrigued by and I want to, is Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. And um, he actually could have been on a Nigerian team right now. I know. And he got hurt. And I wonder what, what, what kind of wonders that could have done for Nigeria because they have no point guard. Oh, my God. Their guard play is is rough. And they would be a medal. If Spencer yeah. was playing full power, they might be a medal contender. Yeah. And so he um, he's an intriguing player to me. Really, really intriguing player to me. Um, are you guys a Reggie Jackson fan? Like, what? Well, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what I caliber say, of point guard. I have, I have I have slandered Reggie Jackson on this podcast many times. Hats off because he was absolutely spectacular for the Clippers. Um, so I mean, because so I think the thing is, the one thing I do like about Lonzo is that he pushes the ball, and a, as good an alley oop passer you're going to find with a guy that can get up and get it. And so if I'm them, I might stick with what I know versus what I don't know and keep him. I just wonder at what price, because I, I don't know that they need, especially with JV coming. Like, <laughs> There you go. Good job. Everybody <laughs> yeah, calls yeah, him JV. You're clear. Yeah, You're clear. Yeah. Uh, he's going to add scoring. So to me, I don't know that you necessarily need somebody that's going to score. Everybody can't shoot the ball. Like at least with Lonzo, he's looking to give it to other people. So I'd, I'd probably give the Lonzo experiment one more year. Yeah, I, I like Lonzo. I mean, again, the, I like him depending what the price is. What I'd say is you're going to play Zion at point guard a lot or point forward, whatever you want to call it. Um. So the idea of Spencer is very interesting because he can play on or off the ball. Yeah. Um, the idea he's of Lowry, star, but he's talented. He's, he's a good, yeah. The idea of Lowry is a bit of a pipe dream. I think because Lowry's got like five or six options. Yeah. Where he can be on a contender and get paid. Yeah. Um, so I don't see Lowry. Know, I don't either, but Dinwiddie in, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's refreshing. He went, he did an interview with Sports Illustrated and he's like, Yeah, if I wanted to re-sign with the Nets, five years, 125 million sounds right. He just threw his threw his offer right out into the media. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, so if you're gonna get him away in, into a non-championship contender, I mean, maybe they have a vision that with Zion, they could be a championship contender in two years. I don't know, but you know, I you know, he's he's like, You're gonna have to pay me because he can probably stay in Brooklyn for a number. Maybe yeah. not twenty five million a year. Um, Here, here's here's so, a pie in the sky thing, which I'll regret saying once I say it. <laughs> uh, Willie Green does have a good relationship, a great relationship with Chris Paul. He does. Um, I uh, actually did an interview with Willie Green. We'll have a story coming out this week. I talked to Willie uh, over the weekend. Great guy. And. Uh, uh, it's a bit of a trap to to compare him to Monty Williams. I don't want to do that, but the way Monty connects with players, and the way he talks, and the way he builds relationships, that's what Willie does. Both very faith based men, and uh, you know the story about Willie Green. Sorry to kind of define his career. He was undrafted, I think, Spears. Wasn't he undrafted? He was drafted by your Seattle Supersonics. They traded him on draft okay. night. Okay. So he's a second-round pick, had a short contract, and he had played pretty well his first two years in Philly. And they were going. They had agreed to a contract with him. Uh, when it wasn't, by today's standard, it wasn't huge money. It was like $15 million bucks. It was a second-round pick who was going to get like 12 or $15 million in like, you know, 2005 or six or whatever it was. And he was playing um pickup ball in detroit and he blew his acl like two days before he's i don't know 
within days of him signing his contract. And um, he went in and uh, the, the 76ers were like, well, we can't, we can't sign this. We can't sign you. And I mean, this is a guy who, you know, from Detroit area, I, I hope he's from, yeah. is, he from did, is he from Flint or Detroit? I don't want to get this wrong because no, he's from Detroit. Okay. And I um, talked to him. He, he, he wanted to stay close to home. He had some other offers out of high school, but. Right. Went to Detroit Mercy. Yeah. Anyway, like the, you know, here's a chance he's going to get 10 plus million dollars and be set for life. And it was gone. And he hadn't played make good and only played 10 games. And uh, he did play make good and he ended up getting a contract a year later. But what you have to go through as a person, as a player, when you have something like that happen to you, I think really kind of defines them. So look, when he talks and when he, his philosophy is similar to what Monty, it doesn't mean he can be as successful as Monty, but he bonded with guys. I mean, he is bonded with those. He was in Golden State. He had great relationships with those guys. He bonded with those guys in Phoenix. And his job is going to, I mean, let's just be honest. His job is to bond with Zion Williamson so yeah. that in a year, Zion says, this organization is going the right direction. Here's my signature. That's what, that's what Willie Green's job is. So um, they obviously have big plans because they just cleared 20 million in cap space. Of course, they had 20 million in cap space last year and they ended up with Bledsoe and Steve, Stephen Adams, who they just jettisoned and um, jettisoned their coach. So if you're Zion, I can see why you're a little bit, uh, what are we doing here, guys? I got my third coach in my third year. You keep bringing these guys in, saying they're going to be a part of this. You, you jettison them off. I mean, it's a it's a hard situation there. Um, so and and moving down in the draft to upgrade now, they feel they feel the heat. They feel the heat on uh, on getting better right away. So um, that'll be interesting. But um, all right, so the draft is is coming up, and I don't know if we're going to get any big trades ahead of it. Uh, you know. We had Dame, little Dame stuff. There's been people watching Beal, but I'm not feeling anything there. No. So I'm not sure we're going to get a star come on the market. But um, hey, I'm going to be, still- but I'm going to be at Golden State's headquarters. I'm going to be there just in case. Yeah. Well, that's the that the rumor out of uh, rumor out of Team USA is that Draymond is doing work. <laughs> GM GM Green. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm gonna say. You know, that's the people. You know, where are the team building going on? I, uh, the team building is that Draymond is doing work. So, um, all right. Well, uh, we'll look forward to all of your uh, rankings, uh, Pelton. You're going to be working like a machine. By the way, let me just say before we go, Spears. I saw this the last time I was in Japan in 2006. Um, they showed me this technology that they said was the future 3d HD put on these glasses and you watch basketball in 3d and you remember ESPN, like had a 3d network for a yeah. couple of years. It was pretty interesting. Obviously it didn't happen. I, I bought those glasses. Did you? Yeah. All right. The, the, I, virtual, I, the virtual glasses. I have they had. Them. I remember they showed a a camera that was mounted on top of the backboard on the on the absolute top of the backboard, looking straight down. And so when you had the glasses on, and they would show you guys going for a rebound, their hands would sort of come up towards your face. And I thought that was kind of cool, but obviously didn't catch on. Okay, so now the new wave of the future is this basketball playing robot that they brought out at halftime of the game the other night. And the robot is seven feet tall and it comes out. It, it's on wheels, but it's, it, it looks like a person. It moves like a person. It comes out. There's, there's a rack at the free throw line, a rack at the three point line and a rack at the, at, at the um, um, half court. Nobody's lining it up. Obviously it's, you know, pre-measured the court and everything. It comes on the court, raises its hands up to acknowledge the crowd of which there is none because it's empty. <laughs> Um, goes down, goes and picks the ball up off of the rack like it's a three-point shooting contest, squares from the foul line, shoots the ball on a perfect, like, 17-foot arc, perfect swish. Turns around, again, on its own, goes back to the three-point line, picks the ball off the rack, shoots it, perfect arc, 
And by the way, the form is perfect. Elbow in, you know, right hand under the ball, yeah. left hand guide, shoots it. Perfect arc, like, you know, designed in the laboratory, straight, straight swish, like, like a Kobe swish. The ball would go in at that angle. Turns around, goes to half court, does it again. Raises its hands and leaves the court. It's freaking amazing. I, I had yeah. seen that somewhere before. Maybe it's been maybe it's not brand new, but it was the first time I ever saw it. I saw it a couple years ago and I can't remember where. But I, that's the second time I've seen it. Well, the the release I'm glad is you slow. were entertained by it. You I was quite entertained. I was. I mean, you you get that kind of shooting out at half court though. That's that's a lot of gravity if you got to defend all the way out there. <laughs> but what well, happens I when would... it goes outside? See. Well, that's the thing. So the, the you know there's air moving in an arena, so it obviously shoots the ball perfectly. There was a swish from three and a swish from the free throw line. But when he shot from half court, the ball rattled in. So obviously <laughs> the ball had to move slightly. Yeah. Also, it's very slow getting the shot off. It's Giannis at the free throw line esque getting the shot off. Uh, also, by the way, another reason why Giannis may never play um, FIBA basketball again: five seconds for free throws, not ten. Five. Wow. I didn't know that. Uh, all right, guys, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I wish we could talk for longer. Um, yeah, but, man, we'll uh, get you some good uh, sushi at breakfast or something. Man. The sushi options I have are Seven Eleven. I'm sorry. That's I don't even. Well, know a, yeah, just at least tell me the hotel restaurant is good. You know that kind of stuff is important to me. It's a, the hotel restaurant is a Hawaiian themed restaurant. Come on. Bro. Yeah. Well, the, you know Japanese love Hawaii. I mean, I love Hawaii. The only only restaurant in the hotel. The only <laughs> restaurant that I'm allowed to. to go to. There's six restaurants. I'm only allowed to go to this one for fourteen. So you're eating like spam. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love spam and eggs hey, I, for breakfast. I had spam on Saturday. I don't like spam. No, they actually make this incredible omelet, uh, and I, I am, I'm, you know, it's just it's only an egg omelet. They don't put anything in it, but they, it's amazing to watch them make it. They put the the, the eggs in the skillet, and then they use chopsticks to create this omelet where the inside of the omelet the eggs are cooked a little bit less than the outside huh. it's heavenly and watching them make it with chopsticks is watching them manipulate the egg and the omelet with chopsticks it's it's an art and then they have this thing where they hold the the pan with one hand and then they bring their other hand down and they there's some technique where they slap their wrist and the vibration of that gets the omelet just so. And they all do it. They slap their wrists. I've seen several of them make it. That's the technique. And um, uh, that is excellent. That is a positive. If I could eat, you know, the breakfast is the highlight of the day from the food. Hey, stand. Brian, I'm, I'm not going to let Pelton get by without him praising eating gelatin uh, pork. Spam sliders, man. Don't knock it. <laughs> I swore those off when I was a kid. I like what I'm gonna do. I can't. <laughs> they do love spam. My dad loves it. Shout out to Curtis Spears, man. He eats the Vienna sausages out of a can too, which is even more disgusting. <laughs> Spears, uh, a few years ago at Thanksgiving, you posted a photo on on social media. I've never been able to forget this. I believe. Um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't. Was it was it an aunt? Who was yeah, who she, was? God rest her soul. She passed away last oh, year. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Cheryl Patterson, love you. I miss you. But go ahead. She when she was cooking gumbo in that I big mean, giant pot. Giant pot is. She was on a damn step ladder, Spears. She, this damn pot was taller than her. Right. I mean, Actually, I've never seen I think that like, was one of my other cousins. Well, but still, but it was um, like the pot was about four feet tall, five feet. I've tall. never seen anything like I, she couldn't. I thought in my head, I remember being on a step, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But I hope that recipe still with the family, because that made me happy. I, she's stirring that gumbo like it's a, a vat. Oh, my God. And it was outstanding. I, I'm eating out of a 7-Eleven on average of two meals a day right now. It's, I mean, this is where I'm at. I'm 
having these kind of this is a japanese 7-eleven even still even still uh all right thank you pelton thank you spears thank you to jackson our producer um getting ready to go see the women's softball team play for the gold medal so that's my usa we we might get a gold somewhere huh yeah uh tonight is a big gymnastics um everybody's nervous about it so we'll see how that goes Thanks for listening to Collective. We'll be back with you after the draft on Thursday night, which is my Friday morning. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.